You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron live with Ethan Haristadoulou. Welcome back, everybody, to the Greek Skirt Iron. I am Ethan Hristodoulou. It's February 9th, 2022, and tomorrow night is the NFL Honors, so you all are listening to my NFL Honors preview edition of the show. We'll be going through each and every award that is going to be presented tomorrow night. So make sure you sit back, relax, enjoy, have a listen, hit that like button and subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the other content we got coming your way. Let's discuss some NFL honors, shall we? So, for the awards being presented tomorrow night, we have ourselves Comeback Player of the Year, Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year, Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year, we have Coach of the Year, and then, of course, the Most Valuable Player of the Year Award, which some might argue is basically just the Most Valuable Quarterback Award at this point in the NFL's life cycle. But we'll talk about each and every single one. I'll kind of give my thoughts and opinions on them who I think is going to win and just kind of work our way down the list, starting with the comeback player of the year award. This is an award that I think is fairly cut and dry. I don't really think that there's much of a competition and I can't really think of somebody who stands out as much as this person does that I have chosen to win this award uh, because it, considering where he has taken his team to right now, and I understand postseason is not really supposed to count, but I mean, if you think about it, my man Joe Burrow, I mean, 108.3 quarterback rating on the year, 4,600 yards, 34 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 70.4% completion percentage, a ludicrous number to have at such a young age. A couple of rushing touchdowns, he had 8.9 yards per attempt. The guy had so many just very, very high ranked statistical categories that you can't really you can't not give him the award I think uh, when you look at just kind of how he how this whole thing transpired for him he came from two seven and one in a torn ACL last year to winning an AFC North where I don't think anyone really expected the Bengals to get out of this year with more than like six or seven games at most I think everyone was kind of looking at okay Joe Burrow had a pretty solid campaign before he went down with an injury the Bengals still have what seems like a lot to work on offensively and defensively nobody really knew kind of how the whole team was going to look going through the year and everyone came in talking Browns Browns Ravens or Steelers who was going to come out you know Big Ben came back for one more final year uh, and then the Ravens were kind of locked and loaded before injuries completely wiped out their roster and I think the Browns were kind of like the NFL's darlings of the year and everyone just kind of fell flat on their face and the Bengals man AFC North winners talk about going from pretty much worst to first they were picking number five in the draft just this past year and now they're representing the AFC in the Super Bowl and I think in large part that does not happen if Joe Burrow is not the guy that he was this year so in my opinion comeback player of the year this is probably the most shoe in yeah, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I, like I said, I can't really think of anyone else besides Comeback Player of the Year. There's a few awards that I feel that way about. This is one of the more sure ones, in my opinion. Next up, we have the Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year awards. We'll start with the Offensive one first. And honestly, these these two are, are fairly, maybe not as cut and dry, but you have a hard time arguing against both of the people that I have picked in my opinion for the offensive rookie of the year award. I am going to go with the Bengals wide receiver, Jamar chase 
Like I said with Joe Burrow, the Bengals do not get as far as they do without Burrow, and I honestly don't think they get as far as they do without Jamar Chase as well. This was a very doubted draft pick coming out of the draft this past summer, myself included. I was like, wow, why did you not go Panay Suel? Why didn't you bring in the offensive lineman to protect Joe Burrow? How is he going to get the football to Jamar Chase if he can't be upright in any games? And while Burrow has been sacked 51 times through the regular season, it did not matter because Jamar Chase wound up with 81 receptions, 1,455 yards. He had 18 yards of reception, a ridiculous, that's a Madden number right there. If you've ever played Madden, that is literally a Madden statistic right there. 13 touchdowns. He had 561 yards after the catch. This guy had the best rookie season for a wide receiver, topping Randy Moss. He is already in elite category, an elite conversation with players that we, you know, that we all look at that are enshrined in the Hall of Fame and think those guys are the best that we've ever seen. Jamar Chase, and this is, think about this. One, everyone doubted him as a wide receiver because of the like the preseason and him dropping the football and in and on all that. And then on top of that, they were doubling down because he took the year off because of the whole COVID situation. And then, of course, people doubting just the pick in general because of how poor the offensive line was in Cincinnati last year. There were so many things going against him. And yet week in and week out, it, it just like none of it mattered. None of it mattered. Somehow, some way, this whole Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase connection came from college right into the NFL and quite honestly and arguably became better than what it was in college, which is ridiculous considering some people consider that 2019 LSU team the greatest football team to ever be put together in college. And I'm not a college fan, so I don't really know how true or false that statement is, but I hear that statement a lot. So, I mean... <laughs> And based off the numbers, they look better now than they did back then. So kind of ridiculous to see that kind of, you know, transfer from college to the NFL. It's it's unbelievable what they've done. Jamar Chase was a fantastic player. You Mac Jones supporters, it, you know, I understand he's playing the most difficult decision. Uh, but there were some things here and there that came up during the season that I think kind of knocked his credibility a little bit. And ultimately, I just think that Jamar Chase from start to finish had a little bit of a cleaner season as a rookie than Mac Jones did. Um, and the biggest blemish that knocks Mac Jones, in my opinion, from this award has got to be that three pass game. And I understand the, the weather situation and everything. I was a big supporter of Mac Jones all year, so don't come at me. Uh, but I just think that Jamar Chase from week one to week 18 had the most consistent year of the rookie class on offense. On the defensive side of the football, this one was kind of knocked out of the park very early into the season. And if, if if there was anything more cut and dry than the comeback player of the year award, it was this one here for offensive player or excuse me, defensive player of the year. Micah Parsons, man, there was a point where people were saying he was going to be defensive player of the year. Obviously, that talk slowed down a little bit the last few weeks of the season. But I mean, hats off to this guy. 13 sacks, three forced fumbles. 84 tackles, 25 of them for a loss. He hit the quarterback a number 30 times. He plays linebacker, for God's sake. He's not an edge rusher, but like you put him on the field somewhere and you need him to do something, and he does it effectively. I think that the Cowboys are going to benefit from having a guy that's so versatile the way he is, where you can line him up and you know put him in that second line of defense of the linebackers, or if you need to bring in some extra pressure, you can bring in the extra pressure, and he's successful at it. Don't, don't label him. 
don't label him. Whatever the, whatever the Cowboys want to do come contract time, that's going to be interesting to see. But keep moving him around the way you do. Put him in the linebacker position, whether it's Sam, Will, Mike. I feel like he can play anything he needs to or you know, have him blitz on the edges, whatever it may be. He is so versatile, and he's such a freak athlete at that. He can do so much and, and quite honestly gave us one of the most dominant performances by a rookie in NFL history. And I'm talking offensive and defensive side of the football, and I'm not a Cowboys fan. Uh, so Cowboys, you guys have something special in him. He ran away with the Defensive Rookie of the Year award, and quite honestly, there was a point in time where people were, and there were, for fair arguments, I mean, there was a point in time where I thought maybe he'd end up being Defensive Player of the Year as well. Obviously, the end of the season kind of tapered off a little bit. Uh, you, you kind of saw him be a rookie in some situations against some of the really, really good teams in the NFL. But, I mean, it does not take anything away from how good he was, and I think he is the clear-cut guy at the Defensive Rookie of the Year award. Now, going into the bigger awards, Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year. For the offensive side of the football, I am going to go with Cooper Cup on this one. This is a very tough one for me to decide because I am torn between Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor as the guys for Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, and you could even argue that Tom Brady is even Offensive Player of the Year as well. Um, th- so, I mean, there is definitely a, a, there's a solid grouping there in terms of argument. But I think what Cooper Cup did this season, and it's funny because people say that he can't be the best wide receiver because all he does is play out of the slot. But if you look at where he lines up, yes, he predominantly lines up in the slot but he's moved around a lot and it but it, it's not his fault based off the scheme that they play and the other players that are on the field that his like that they it just necessitates him to be in the slot more than anything else he can play any of the wide receiver positions I don't think that that's a doubt in anyone's mind and you know for people to try to knock him because he's a slot guy is kind of ridiculous he had 145 yards almost 2,000 yards he's at 1947 13.4 yards of reception 16 touchdowns he had 114.5 yards a game that's ridiculous and then the yak number is what really throws it off the top 846 he the dude almost had a thousand yards after the catch that's not just playing out of the slot I'm sorry that is elite ball carrying skills at its finest when you think of a guy that like can move the football really well once the ball's in his hands Cooper Cup Debo Samuel those are the kinds of guys that like that just can make yards after the catch or after you know the first you know the missed first missed tackle whatever it may be Cooper Cup has a fair argument in my opinion, I don't care who you think you are, has a fair argument as the best premier wide receiver in the NFL, regardless of where he lines up. It's not his fault that the scheme just calls for him to be there more. It's not like his skill set is limited. He is probably the finest route runner in the NFL. It's him and Devontae Adams. And I really think it's a lot closer than some people try to make it out to be. Cooper Cup from Matthew or Matthew Stafford, excuse me, to Cooper Cup is a real connection. And it's definitely not all Matthew Stafford, and I'm a big Matthew Stafford guy. I root for him. I think he's a fantastic player. Um, I've thought he was. An, I've always thought he's an elite quarterback since way into his early days on the Detroit Lions. But ultimately, it, Cup has such a crazy skill set. I really think he could play anywhere on the field and be successful. And on top of that, I I personally think that he's the best route runner in the game. You know, it's him and Devontae Adams, and it's like this close. There's no real separation between the two, but I would give the route running ability just a slight edge to Cooper Cup. There are things I like Devontae Adams for more, but I think in terms of route running, Cup just, he's always open. He's always open. And and you don't just get open by speed alone. You got to be able to run your routes and run them crisp. Defensive player of the year, 
Uh, this one, uh, kind of tight, but not really. I- I've seen Aaron Donald's name get thrown around. Of course, TJ Watt. Uh, Aaron Donald is probably is honestly probably the de- best defensive player every single year when you look at like the numbers and get into the nitty gritty of it, just because of how dominant he is. But for my pick this year, I am going to go with TJ Watt. I think that tying the sack record is going to go a long way in his consideration for this award. The 22 and a half sacks, obviously huge. But on not only that, five fumble, uh, forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries. He had 64 tackles, 21 tackles for loss. And he also got and hit the quarterback 39 occasions throughout the season. Um, I, the numbers are great. The sacks are obviously flashy. I think Aaron Donald plays a position where you have to respect the hell out of how good he is and how effective he is each and every game that he plays. And the fact that he's getting double and sometimes triple teamed is laughable at best by some of these offensive lines. But this year, I really think was TJ Watt's year. Just just from the fact that he did this and he missed two games is crazy because, uh, you know, and the people that are saying that these awards that are coming in or not awards, excuse me, these records that are being broken or tied or whatever it may be because there's been an added game to the season do not count is ridiculous because at one point the NFL was only 14 games in a season. And prior to that, I'm pretty sure it was also like 11 or 12 games at certain points in the NFL's history. And those records still stand where they do. And they've been broken. You can't t- you can't, like, it's not TJ's what it's not TJ Watts fault that the owners got together and said, we want to add another game because we want, more revenue. He's just a player. He didn't decide that. All he can do is play football and put up numbers throughout the entirety of the season. So if you want to blame anyone for like these records being fallen and blah, 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 blame the owners. They wanted more money in their pockets, more advertising revenue. They wanted another week in the season. It's their fault. We're going to see all these records get crushed eventually. But regardless of having a 17th game or not, a handful of the NFL records are all still standing. And quite honestly, I mean, even if it was a 16 game season and TJ Watt had played the entirety of the year, when you divvy up the numbers and you break it all down, he only played 15 games. If he had played a 16th, you could probably guarantee he hit another sack. And to be fair, the sack record was won and broken off of um, a gimme from Brett Favre. So, I mean, Michael Strahan's great and all, don't get me wrong. He was given his final sack. TJ Watt earned his. That's all I've got to say about that. I think he's defensive player of the year. The guy was so effective again on and on a defense that was not as great as it had been the last couple of years, but still effective. And he is like the anchor of that Pittsburgh Steelers defense at this point. Next up, the final two big awards, um, one for the coaching side. And then, of course, the NFL's MVP for coach of the year. There's a few guys that I really think are in the running for this one here. <clears throat> um. You know, you look at Mike Vrabel and what he did with all the injuries there. Uh, and then you look at a guy like Zach Taylor with what he's done with the Bengals this year and a roster that I don't think anyone really considered a playoff contending roster, and never mind a Super Bowl contending roster. And then, uh, you know, who else do you have? Bill Belichick with what he did in the Patriots. I think the fact that they went 10 and 7 and were com- as competitive as they were, granted, they brought in some really good players, but. Ultimately, there is still a lot of holes on that team, and there was a clear talent gap between them and the Buffalo Bills when it wasn't 60-mile-an-hour wins. Um, So I do want to give credit to Bill for what he was able to do with that team. Uh, And then, of course, Matt LaFleur and what he did with the Green Bay Packers. I think Kyle Shanahan should also be somebody that was considered for the ward as well, considering just, you know, the adversity that the 49ers dealt with injury wise and were able to fight their way into the playoffs and make it all the way to the NFC Championship. And again, I understand postseason doesn't count to these, but we're talking it all anyways. Um, But for my pick of coach of the year, uh, 
I think that this one really comes down to just doing as much as you can with the little that you have. And it's got to be Zach Taylor and the Bengals. I almost picked Mike Vrabel and the Titans for this one. The Titans dealt with a lot of injuries this year, but coming into this season, the Titans being the number one seed is less shocking than the Bengals being in being one, the AFC North winners, and also B, being in the Super Bowl at this point in time. And again, I understand the awards are for regular season only, but even just the fact alone that the Bengals came out the AFC North winners with the roster that they had, there were so many questions about this team. They did not look good last year. They were picking number five for a reason. And quite honestly, this entire team as a whole, I think is better than the sum of their parts. It was, it's unbelievable how far this Bengals team has been able to go in some of the games that they've been able to win and how convincingly they blew out the Ravens twice. I mean, and the Ravens have a really good roster despite the 20-some-odd injuries they dealt with this year. I mean, they were so convincingly good against some of the better teams and, like, like they doubled down. They beat the Chiefs twice. I mean, like, they were, they've played some of the best of the best that the AFC had to offer and took them down and took them down convincingly. They were able to get it done. Um, I mean... You know, people questioned, again, the Jamar Chase pick. We talked about that earlier. They, they questioned signing Trey Hendrickson, how good of a, of a pickup that was, and bringing in Mike Hilton from the Steelers. Uh, you know, there was so many, just so many conversations of doubt going towards the Bengals this season. I don't think anyone at any point, and I'm pretty sure I saw at one point the betting odds for the Bengals to make the Super Bowl was like plus 18,000 after week four or five. So like nobody saw this coming. I think what Zach Taylor has done in the short time that he has and the amount of doubt he's even gotten as a play caller and as a head coach in the NFL, he deserves this award more than anybody. I just think that there has been so much negativity and not like in like a bad way, but just like in, in a doubtful way towards the Bengals that if you don't give Zach Taylor this award, it's kind of criminal at this point because of what he has been able to do with this team. Yes, he has Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, but like give credit where credit is due. The Bengals had the awareness to bring in Joe Burrow. The Bengals had the awareness to bring in Jamar Chase over an offensive lineman, and everyone was saying they should have went lineman. Give Zach Taylor the credit. I think he's the guy for coach of the year. And now... For the MVP award, the hotly contested one right now, I think that in terms of MVP, it really just boils down to Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Uh, You could argue maybe Cooper Cup, or you could argue maybe Jonathan Taylor, but realistically speaking, it's a quarterback's award, and I don't really see it going to either of those two guys. As much as I would love to see one of those two guys win the MVP, I just don't realistically see it. I think the competition really is Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. And when you're having this conversation, it really just comes down to, do you like the bulk numbers or do you like the efficient numbers? Because that's kind of how you have to compare Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. You have Aaron Rodgers, who in my opinion was more efficient with the pass attempts that he had, whereas Tom Brady just had a bunch more attempts. Therefore, his numbers, being the great quarterback that he is, ended up being inflated and much higher compared to Aaron Rodgers. As for who I actually think is going to win, and I'll kind of go into my reasoning here why as well, I do ultimately think that it's going to go down to Aaron Rodgers. There is a few things that, in my opinion, point in the direction of him winning the MVP award. Firstly, we can kind of knock out of the way. He did win the first team All-Pro over Brady at the quarterback position. And by winning that, a lot of those people that vote for that award 
also vote for MVP. And I think that if you're giving him first team all pro, you are arguing that he is the better quarterback of the two. And in that case, he must be the most valuable quarterback of the two. That's just kind of how I look at that. Um, I respect the hell out of Brady. But I just think that based off that award alone, that kind of like negates any shot of Brady winning the award. Maybe there's an upset and maybe I'm wrong, but I really feel like that alone kind of like steers it into Rogers favor. But also when you kind of look at the numbers and we'll, we'll talk both of them here for a second, if you kind of compare them side by side, Brady had 719 pass attempts to Rogers only 531. And this is where I, this is where, you know, I got the whole thing of, do you, do you want the bulk numbers or you, do you want the efficient numbers? For every pass attempt, Tom Brady was throwing a 6% touchdowns rate. So every 6% of his passes, he was throwing a touchdown. Whereas Rodgers, in that 531, he was throwing 7% touchdowns. So then on top of that, Brady has 12 interceptions to Aaron Rodgers' four, turning the ball over far less. And yes, you can argue, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers didn't throw the football as much. So maybe that's why he doesn't have as many interceptions. Even if you do, you divvy out the math, uh, Rodgers could theoretically throw another 500 uh, passes. And if he was to continue at that rate, you're only looking at like eight interceptions. So, I mean, that those numbers don't really boil down that way either. And then when you look at yards per completion, which I think is probably the more important of the two, or of like the three different ways you can kind of break that through like air yards per attempt and yards per attempt and yards per completion and all those numbers there. I think yards per completion is the most important. Um, you're looking at Brady's 11 to Aaron Rodgers, 11.2. So not a, not a massive margin, but enough that 0.2 over an extra 200 passing attempts would start to add up some numbers there. And then on top of the QBR rating, when you look at that, Brady's sitting at 102.1, whereas Rodgers is sitting at a 111.9. Um, you have to kind of go with the efficiency here. As much as I love the gaudy numbers, I'm a big passing attack guy. I love pass first offenses. I love the way the NFL is these days. Um, you know, I, I love the, the shootouts from the quarterbacks and everything. I love the big numbers from the QBs. Um, you have to respect efficiency over just bulk numbers. And that's why I ultimately think that Aaron Rodgers ends up winning the MVP award. That, and again, like I said, he got the first team all pro. It, it, it kind of like motions it to being okay it's going to be Aaron Rodgers award it, it's a tight it's a tight race don't get me wrong and would I be shocked if you know somehow some way Brady ended up winning the MVP award no not at all because he had a fantastic season I'm not taking anything away from them I think that like their their arguments are like neck and neck so you can put one over the other and quite honestly I would not die on a hill arguing Aaron Rodgers with you um, this is just who I personally think is going to get the award but that is my NFL honors uh, awards preview show. I appreciate you all for tuning in and watching. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section down below. Who do you think's winning all these awards? Who's coming out on top? Um, there's a lot of betting odds out there that have, you know, a good, that give you like a good idea as to what Vegas is thinking. Uh, so definitely take a look at those, but please see, uh, sit down, jump in the comment section. Let me know what you guys think. I'd love to chat with you all. Um, and I will see you guys probably in the next couple of days. I mean, or tomorrow, yeah, I'll have a few videos coming out in the next few days, so I should be seeing you guys again fairly soon. So again, make sure you hit that sub button so you don't miss out on the preview for the game that we have coming up and a few other videos as well. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a good one.